All right. I was waiting for him to kind of scatter out and go out through the door back there. If I, if you notice when he came in, I've got a handout. <clears throat> excuse me. Back there in the, by the, on the little podium for the angels and demons of lesson one. So if you uh, haven't got one, you want to pick one up, uh, grab one of them. We will, I don't think we'll have time to go in and fill it out at the end. So what I'll do is all these answers are on the video or the PowerPoint, and you'll be able to kind of pick them out as you go if you just look at the questions. Um, I also pointed out already, uh, thank you, Billy, <laughs> that uh, Daniel doesn't have 18 chapters. And I put down one of the references of Daniel 18. So I'm going to have to go back and find where I got that reference. But we can, in that place, use Proverbs 6.19. So we can do that, and that'll work. So what we want to do is look at this morning. Where's my button to push? This one? Nope, that ain't it. I just messed up. There was no button to push. Where am I at, Michael? I hit that button over there. (laughs) Hang with me. We'll figure it out here. First thing I touch, naturally, it goes bad. There we go. All right, just touch the screen. Oh, there's the little arrows. Okay, I got it now. Got it, Charlie. Thank you, sir. Angels and demons. So that's it's already working on us. See, he's already got an evil spirit in the computer this evening. No. But angels and demons. This is what our thing's about, and I'm glad to see you all here. I'm I'm glad to see the interest that's uh, uh, in these things. It's something we don't really talk about a whole lot. You know, we talk about angels and we talk about demons, but once in a while. But we really don't go back and, and do much studying on angels. We just accept it as it is. So tonight, hopefully, we'll look a little bit deeper than that. And the first thing we start off with is a question for you at, that says, what do you think of when someone mentions angels? And, of course, you see the little baby, and everybody, when they go to the maternity wards and see their grandchildren or their children, they say, oh, that's a little angel. You know, but it's not really an angel. It's it's closest we can get, maybe, but it's not an angel. It is something that has long been a subject of interest to mankind, way back, way back, way back in ancient history. We've always had some form of spiritual being that people look to that would be there with them close by. And that's what we think about. We think about that a lot. We think about angels being fascinated because of the unseen. We don't see angels walking around on the streets. So we say, who are they? Are they these white, flowing, garmented ladies that we see with the halos and the wings? Are they real? Or are they those naked little babies with the arrow and the the bows and arrows that, that cause you to fall in love? Where did they come from? Well, we know they're spiritual bodies. We know they're heavenly bodies. But uh, did they come from heaven? Did God create them? What? How'd they get here? What do we know? Are they ghosts? Some people would think, yeah, the angels are ghosts. They're dead people that have come back to tell me something. 
angels in Time magazine. They had an interest for people that were non-Christian people. So they published an article about angels, at least about a survey that they took. And it was a Time CNN poll that they took. It was 69% of people believe in angelic beings or guardian angels or some form of spiritual guidance. And these are non-Christian people as part of them. People that don't normally even go to church and they still believe that there's that angel. Uh, Baylor University Institute for uh, the Studies of Religion. They ran a survey and theirs was 55% of people believe in guardian angels or some spiritual form of aid that we get. There's the CNN poll, 69%. I got a little bit ahead there. The media. Oh, Lordy. Don't we get a lot of media stuff about angels? I mean, you can't you can't go without a book or paper or TV or movies. You can't go very far without having angels as the central character. Of course, that you know how that goes. That's uh, they all all got it wrong. Most of them they don't have it right. They missed the, they missed the part. Even cartoons. I remember when I was a kid, there was a Tom and Jerry cartoon that had a little angel sitting on his shoulder. And he was telling him the good things to do. And a little, little angel said, and both of them were mice, by the way. And the little angel on his shoulder that was telling me, you shouldn't do this. And, you know, go ahead, it's okay. And a Bugs Bunny cartoon had one similar to that. Even the cartoons for kids indoctrinate us to a certain form of angels that we think about whenever we study or, or even talk about angels. An apocryphal book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. It's called Enoch. And this book was written probably in the first century uh, of Christianity. And by the fourth century, it had already been debunked as not being inspired. But he does list some interesting things. Even though it's a non-canical writing, uh, he, he mentions seven holy angels who watch. They, uh, they, and that's what we call it, watching. So that's like looking over like we would think of the guardian angels. They watch, and he had seven of them, and he named all seven. There's Michael, Raphael, Gabriel. It sounds like the turtles, wouldn't it? The super turtles. Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, Uriel. Uh, it's Sequa, let me see if I can get that right. Sarah Kale is that the pronunciation for that one, and Ragul and Ramil. These are all ones mentioned in the book of Enoch, but the only ones that's in our scripture are two that actually have names that are mentioned. And we'll look at those in a very short period of time. We think about fallen angels a lot because we talk about Satan being a fallen angel. So that kind of, that brings almost more than what the regular angels do to us. We think about heavenly angels, we just picture the little, pretty little lady, but we think about Satan and uh, his angels, we think about maybe a little more uh, of a, uh, a vicious kind of character rather than a soft angel. And they're named after the entire uh, the entities from both Christian and pagan mythology. There's Moloch, Chemosh, Dagon, Belial, Beelzebub, and of course Satan himself. All these were names given to the, the fallen angels. And uh, 
we think of Moloch was a was the god that the uh, uh, Sumerians got in trouble with, made them split with the Hebrews, because he was the one that was would stand there with his arms out, and they would bring babies and place it in his arms, while they heated it up to where it would burn the baby to death. The whole statue would get that hot, and that caused a, a big rip. So we know that name; we, that's automatic almost. And Dagon was also a Babylonian god. That was the one that that was fell and was busted up when they took the ark back into Babylon. And he was laid in pieces when they came in the next day because they'd put in that same category, that same room as what their god Dagon was in. So we see those names mentioned, but we don't see a lot of the others. Beelzebub, we mentioned Satan as another name. But it's interesting how people have taken these things and and used them to further their particular viewpoint. Satan convinced the other animal of the other animals, the other angels, to live free from the laws of God. Come on with me, and it, they did, and therefore they were bounced out of heaven. They were cast out, and it, was, it talks about the devil and his angels and having a place reserved for them, special. This guy, I want to talk about for just a second. Uh, seven Shocking Ways, and, and this was Dr. John D. Moore. He has a Ph.D. I don't know if he's deceased or not. I couldn't find that out, but there was a lot of John D. Moores when you start looking up trying to who you find. But, but he did, wrote this thing called Seven Shocking Ways That Angels Speak to You Every Day. So if you think that's happening, pay attention. <laughs> We're going to tell you what they are. The first one, angels speaking to you every day, is in your dreams, of course. Um, it encourages you to, he encourages you, rather, to speak to your angels before you go to sleep so that the angels will answer you in your dreams. Uh, I would prefer to talk to God you know, myself before I went to sleep, and I think he can take really good care of me, so I won't worry too much about the number one. Number two is verbally. You may hear a voice in your head, or it seems to come from outside of you somewhere, and you're, you're hearing this as telling you what you need to do. Oh, that must be my guardian angel. Uh, this is what a lot of criminals use to try to get out of their crime. You know, there was a voice telling me to do this. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't an angel that came out of that dog, or whatever it might be. But they'll use that same thing as what uh, this Dr. Moore is claiming here. Other sounds, as well as what's in your head or what you hear verbally, uh, you may hear in the distance some angels singing or some soft bells with no apparent connection for anything around you. You just hear things. Uh, when I was much younger and I had better ears than I do now, uh, I remember I used to lay in bed and when everything was real quiet and I could hear Morris code. And I always thought that was really strange. I heard this beep, 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 and it was actually, you know, a code. And I got a hearing test when I was at work. They gave us a hearing test. And the guy kept me in there for a long time because he said, when it came out, he said, well, I I kept in there longer than usual because I never had anybody go as high on my scale to hear the, the sound waves. And so he kept me in there a long time. And I thought, well, maybe that's what I'm hearing is I'm hearing this, you know, some microwave stuff. 
Uh, so since that time, I think it's fried part of my brain because it's not working as well as it used to. But but you may hear some sounds, that, according to this guy, or some bells or some, some other thing. And you may see things. You may get some mental visions, uh, swirling colors, um, bright lights, white flashes uh, in your eyes. Uh, if you talk to, to Dr. Christensen, I think he'll tell you that some of that may be some you know, eye problems rather than, than angel problems. You know, uh, you see little stars or whatever. It's, uh, if I get smacked in the nose, I see stars. I don't think it's the angels. So it's, uh, you know. Number five was other signs and symbols. Uh, this is the one that, that kind of, you kind of think maybe there may be a connection real easily to make a connection. You go to work and you have a problem and you, you can't figure out what it is. And your coworker comes up and says, just the right thing, just right when you need it. And you think, okay, well, that's, you know, that, that's got to be, you know, that angel answering my prayer here. That's what it is. It came to me and, and confirmed that to me. Well, it, again, you know, this is, can be very easily misled. Um, pay attention, it says, to your feelings that you find when you find something unexpected. From humans or animals, maybe your your dog has done something really strange that he's never done before, and you know that's something that's been on your mind that you need to work on. And you're thinking, oh, okay, well, my angel, you know, working with my dog here and, and going to make him make him do what I want him to do. So how can you tell? Uh, oh, this is feeling. I forgot that one. Feelings and physical sensations. Uh, this is supposedly how you can tell. Uh, how the angels are trying to reach you. Uh, and he goes in, he doesn't necessarily, but there's other writings that go into that and explain it a little bit. And we'll look at them here. Here's one of them that says, um, you sit still, you close your eyes. You all doing it? <laughs> See if it works. You calm your mind and you ask your higher self for the name of one of your guardian angels. And the name will then be placed in your head. But if it doesn't, you know, if no name comes, it might be that your angel is telling you, you go ahead and name it yourself. You give it whatever name you want to, okay? And this was published uh, on the Internet on May 25th, 2021. So it's not, this is not something we're talking about back in Babylonian times. We're talking about now. Uh, was it transcendental meditation? You know, that's part of what they do. They get, you know, you cross your legs and cross your arms and your eyes and you make little hearts or whatever. And, you know, you, uh, you go through this, to, hopefully, to talk to that inner spirit that you've got. So how do you know if the guardian angel is trying to contact you, your feelings and phys- physical sensations? Here it is. Here's what he says. Sometimes your angels will try to get your attention through physical sensations like tingling or a feeling of warmth spreading through you, a light touch on your hand. Well, it didn't touch, you know, it didn't work for me. Uh, Stroking of your hair, or even a tangible presence. You may actually, for a moment, think you saw something in your room right there with you, July 24, 2016. These are fairly new feelings coming from people on the Internet trying to share with you to help you. I'm not sure. Let's go on to this one. Without Bible knowledge, we can be easily misled. We are being force-fed 
all the time from things on the internet, from things on TV, from movies, from books. We're force-fed this stuff that, you know, what these angels are about. And we need to go back and measure it all against what the Bible says. Jesus himself spoke about it in Matthew twenty-four twenty-five. He said, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and I will mislead many. That spiritual being that, we, that everyone had been looking for, Jesus warned there's going to be other people claiming. And it goes on further in that chapter, in 24-24, to say that for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead even possible the elect. He's talking about Christians. That there's going to be things coming, illusions, if you would, that God says, you know, if they're going to believe it, well, there'll be things for them to believe. It wasn't too long ago, for many of you will remember, some of you will be too young to remember it. But there was a danger that started really, I think, I remember it in the 70s, early 70s, of uh, these... Um, what they call cults, okay? People coming out with different things to believe. And angel worship was one of those things that came about in that time. Who's the supreme misleader? Well, you think Satan. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. So if he's going to do that, if, if Satan is willing to do that and wants to do that to sway us, don't you think he's going to be working, still working hard on us? Still looking at us through the internet, looking at us through our TV screens and our books. Here's the inner telephone. This one, this is where we get into some of the teachings that have been in the past. Like I said, some of these were in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Uh, the stuff that we get now is like I quoted you a while ago that's on the internet about how you can do things. There's, and there's so much on the internet that, that you can go through and look about angels and, and nine, 99% of it is, is garbage, got to be honest. That's, that's all you can call it. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the first guys I looked up happened to be a member of the church. And he was in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, which was just about 12 miles from where I was raised. And uh, my mom and dad had gone to that church for a long time when I was little. And he was right on the money. I mean, he was straight down the line, right out of Scripture. And everything else after that, I found nothing that coincided with scriptures. Nothing. This particular one was interesting, though, because it was um, uh, a lady that, uh, uh, or uh, three authors, actually, that uh, put this together. And uh, this was to tell you how to, to get in touch with your inner angel, if you would, okay? They had instruction on communication with angels. And how to conduct your inner telephone to call up your angels when you needed to talk. And I'm not sure. You can probably still find this somewhere on the Internet for sale. Does it bother anybody else to think about calling their angel with a telephone? Uh, it, it does me. And I, when I was at the radio station years ago, a guy came on and he had a, a, had a record where he talked to God, God called him on the phone, and uh, he proceeded to tell him, he, you know, 
you haven't been putting any money in the plate because you haven't been there for a while, but you haven't been putting any money in the plate. I said, yeah, but Lord, that boat takes a lot of money. I don't have a lot of it left, you know. And the whole thing was about this, about all the things that, that he needed to straighten up in his life and a phone call from God. And I would be kind of a little concerned if I got a phone call from God also. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen, folks, uh, just uh, so you know. Um, Colossians 2.18 is another verse that... Uh, that we should look at because it's not the one that we really want to look at. But we'll get that in just a second because I'm going to change the slide. And we're going to look at this one because it sounds funny, the things that I've been saying, but it, and harmless maybe, until you read Deuteronomy 18, 10 and 12. And uh, that says that God considers anything pretending to be of a divine nature is detestable to him. The testable is a pretty strong word. Yeah, what time is it? I better hurry up. Pick it up here a little bit. So, But it seems that way, and it seems that God doesn't like it. He condemns divination, witchcraft, fortune-telling, sorcery, casting spells, a medium, one who calls upon the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. That's what God thinks about it. So be careful when you start studying people that are are promoting angel worship as well. Not long ago, I started mentioning about the 70s. Uh, th- this was kind of, for me, the climax of this, and maybe it, you know, maybe just because I'm unaware of what's going on today. But in the 70s, there was some stuff going on. If you remember this guy, it's uh, Marshall Applegate. If that doesn't ring a bell for you younger folks, it might for us older ones, because this was the guy who... Invented Heaven's Gate. I say invented. He formed a congregation of worshipers. And they were to uh, uh, go to meet their, become celestial beings uh, when the comet Hale-Bopp came through in 1997. And this comet was supposed to come by and they were all going to commit suicide at the same time and then they would be caught up in this comet and transported as to be um, these uh, um, celestial beings, okay? And they all had to wear Nike tennis shoes. When they, <laughs> You see the corner down that picture. That was what they were supposed to wear. I don't know if it was because of the swoosh and the comet kind of conducted, but they all had to be wearing these shoes. That was their proper proper uh, dressing for their decision to go to be an angelic being. So that was just part of it. There was 23 women and 18 men, 41 people decided to leave the earth and go to the heaven as angelic inter, uh, in extraterrestrial beings, 41 folks that bit into that. I'm going to flip on past this because I had the same thing there. This lady, Ruth Norman, she was around there at that time too. I don't know if you remember her or not. She used to drive that Cadillac all over the country with a flying saucer up on the roof uh, to attract attention. She claimed to be the archangel Uriel. And we just mentioned him a moment ago. He's mentioned in scripture, but by the way, Uriel is in the Hebrew uh, is a masculine name, not a female name. So she didn't even realize she picked the wrong name uh, as well. But she claimed uh, to be uh, uh, an archangel, Archangel Uriel, and uh, that's not even mentioned in in our version of the Testaments in the Old or New Testament. It is in some Jewish uh, writings, 
and it's also in some Christian folklore with Uriel, but nothing that, that we have scripturally. So again, we go back to scripture to back these things up. The um, And that, by the way, when she was driving a Cadillac, she was 84 years old. She had 400 people uh, that they said that were her disciples and followers. And that's what the, the news people said. She said that she had 100,000, but, you know, that's probably a preacher's count. And she's not, she's not paying any attention. So, but 400, you think about it, that's the size of our congregation. You know, that's following this lady around a Cadillac with a, with a flying saucer on the roof. So that's kind of interesting to think about a little bit. Some of the major misconceptions of angels we get, uh, circulated through our books and our movies, as we mentioned, and in the religious world as well. And they sometimes cause us to form conclusions based on human ideas rather than the biblical facts. And we got to be careful of that because it's real easy to, especially if, if you believe something really deep, it's, it's hard to, to imagine it's any different than that. And so many people you know, will claim that they've had direct dealings with angels. You know, that if, oh, this angel came in and I was, I was turning my car over and it, I was starting to roll and the angel told me to turn loose the wheel and everything was fine. I survived and didn't have a scratch. So it must have been the guardian angel that I had. Well, maybe or maybe not. Maybe we were just fortunate at that particular time. Because the person that did it may have just come out of some tavern somewhere and, you know, three sheets to the wind and thought he heard something. You know, we don't know. It's, it's in an area that we really don't have specifics on. But you remember what we were talking about a while ago, about these nice angels. Uh, you remember that show, Highway to Heaven, with Michael Landon and, uh, was his name, Victor French, wasn't it? Victor French. And they would show up uh, on the, out of nowhere and help a stranded motorist or a lost child find his parents and everything was wonderful and you go, you get done with the thing, you turn it off and you're smiling and you're happy and we know that angels are really good things to have around. You remember this one? Touched by an angel? Roma Downey and Reese, um, starts with a D. I just lost it. Della, that's it. Yeah, that's her. At Della Reese. And, uh, they were, Strangers, if you would, with just the right words for encouragement and for insight that's needed, like we were talking a while ago about your fellow coworker, you know, saying just the right things. Well, that's what they did in that whole show. They were invisible in the movies and most booklets, as we read, to everyone except the recipient. They were visible to politicians and small animals, just about everything, including even a baseball team. If you remember that one, Angels in the Outfield. I thought that was a really good movie when I was a kid. And I thought, you know, I was playing baseball. I just knew someday there was going to be an angel out there to help me catch a thing instead of missing it. But it never happened, so my angel didn't, wasn't much of a baseball fan, I guess. Those who have hit rock bottom. This was every Christmas, isn't it? We see it every Christmas. Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Remember the little girl saying that? And Clarence, the he was the angel, was trying to straighten him up. And then we also have the ones that were devilish kind of angels in our movies and the things that influence our lives. Angels in America was about a group of lady 
angels. They weren't really nice ladies. And then we had Michael with John Travolta. And he wasn't really a very nice angel either. Uh, he smoked and cursed and drank and did everything else that you weren't supposed to do. Just, But everybody was supposed to love him because he's, you know, he's a neat angel. So I want to test just for a moment. Take a deep breath, take a break. I want to test your knowledge here for a second. I have two actual photographs of angels. There's an angel fish and a snow angel. That's the only photographs, folks, you're going to get to see of angels. They're just not there. And this one is the quiz. Test your knowledge. What do angels eat? Angel food cake. (laughs) So next time you have strawberries and angel food cake, you think about your angel, okay? But seriously, angels are one of the most interesting Bible topics that we we think about, and yet there's just not uh, a lot of information, a lot of mystery involved with it. They're mentioned 300 times, or close to 300 times, in the scriptures, Old Testament and New. That's a lot of a lot of times, and you know we've talked so much about God thinking things are important and He'll repeat it. Well, we see angels repeated in one way or another three hundred times, so it's got to be interesting, but it's still a mystery. Spiritual experiences, including a popular talk about angels, must be measured against Bible truths. When we talk about when people talk about their experience, we got to go back and look at the Bible. And say, is that is that what the Bible says is possible? Is that what it does? Is that what they do? Is that their job? That's all things that we need to look at as we go through. Excuse me for bumping that. Most of the times, it's a case of mistaken identity that we use. Uh, I pulled two papers. There we go. Stuck together. The Bible mentions close to 300 we sent, and uh, this was the mistaken identity because we tend to think of angels as higher forms of humans. We don't think of them really as being so much spiritual as we do humans. Why? Because we think about, well, they appeared to Abraham and they appeared to, to all the Bible characters and they were like people. And they were like people. But we think of them like invisible supermen. They got all this power. They can do all these things, and and uh, you know they can bring fire down from heaven. They can do all those. So we think of them as you know that's kind of like a like a superman. So we're picturing picturing them rather as kind of humanistic. It's probably because they appear in the scripture so often in the form of men. In fact, if we'll, we'll repeat this a little bit later, but there's no female angels mentioned in the Bible. They're all male. No females, just male. I don't know why, but when you get to heaven, we can ask God, how come you didn't create any women? Angels. And he can tell me. But until that time, I'm going to accept what the scriptures say, and they were only men. Angels defined, well, they're not really well defined. The New Testament and Old Testament, the word that's used is defined as messenger or messengers, depending on plural or singular. And they are, whether from their God or whether they're from Satan, they're still messengers. Satan has his angels. God has his. 
They can be heavenly or they can be human. We mentioned the human form a minute ago. But the context will decide that whether or not they are spiritual or whether or not they are physical. Uh, to give you an example, when Gabriel came to Mary and informed her that she was going to have the Son of God, but he was in a spirit form then. He wasn't in a man form. But yet when he came to Gabriel, they were men formed. He fed them and asked them to, you know, for some signs that he was okay. But that's another study. We'll have to save that one for when we do the judges. They weren't defined in any length, but they were identified by the part they played in Scripture. That's how we know. That's how we know of Michael. That's how we know of Gabriel, because they're identified by what they did. They were called, there's a whole bunch of them, this is on your sheet. In Genesis 16.9, they were angels of the Lord. Angel of the Lord, excuse me. Psalms 89.6 was sons of Almighty. Daniel 4.13, they were watchers. Psalms 82.1, congregation. Psalms 89.5, the heavens. Colossians 1.16, principalities, powers, thrones, dominions. And 1 Thessalonians 4.16 was the archangel. So if you didn't, excuse me, if you didn't get all those, when we get to the end, we'll go back and, and give you the answers that you needed, hopefully, when we get done. Upfront angels, facts, is what we're going to look at. These are the things we know for sure. They're not people who died. They're not ghosts. They're not, not your ancestors coming back and talking to you. They are not people, period. They never have been and, and won't be. They are unmarried, First Thessalonians 4.16. They have many recorded appearances in Scripture. Daniel 3.24.25. Gibeon, we mentioned just a moment ago, and Judges. Abraham, Genesis 22, 14, or 11 through 15, 11 and 15, excuse me. And the announcement of Jesus, one of the most really beautiful passages in the Bible where it talks about the angels coming to the wise men and, and telling them and the angels uh, singing glory to God and praise, you know, praise God and, and they're a heavenly chorus singing. And wouldn't you like to have been there to heard that? Because I've heard some pretty good singing coming out of the churches of Christ, but I cannot imagine what that would have been like to hear. And it's it's placed so, so good. If you want to get a chance to read it, go back to Luke 2, 18 through 14, and, and read it again. And think about it for a little bit about the angels this time, rather than just the message. Some more facts that we're establishing up front. Is they were created spiritual beings, and they were present during the seven days of creation. Now, what day did God make them, or did he make them before the first day? We don't know. That information is not there. But we do know that they were there during creation, and that's in Genesis 2.1, and Job as well, 38.7. They can assume any form that God wishes. If you remember uh, the burning bush, that was a messenger from God. 
that was a, that was a person. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a being of any type. It was just a bush that spoke to him. That's a messenger. That's the angel. That's what what we know God does. He, the um, personality of angels. Well, they don't tell you much about the personality. You got to be kidding. They don't tell you much about the personality in uh, uh, of angels, except for Satan. And they go into great depth about Satan's personality. He's a lion that seeks to devour you. He's the father of lies and, and on and on and on. We can find it all over in the scriptures about how he is, how he's deceitful, and how he wants to change us and go after those believers. There's no histories or discussions between angels except for Jude 9, where Michael and, uh, and Satan fought over the body of Moses. Now, how much of that do we know? That's what we know right there, that one line, pretty much. So our, even though there's a lot of mystery in angels, we don't have a lot of things we can really put our fingers on, except some of these facts that are actually backed up with Scripture. He was comforted by angels in Gethsemane, and that's always been a very comforting thought to me. It was one of my, uh, I guess, bucket lists is to someday go to Gethsemane. Uh, Mike brought me back a little piece of Gethsemane, a little tiny rock about that big when he made his trip to Israel. And that's in my treasure chest because I'm thinking, you know, maybe Jesus might have even stepped on that rock for all I know. But it makes me think about him. It makes me think about Gethsemane. It makes me think about what he went through and the agony that he went through. And yet, in spite of all that, after he finished the third time, asking God to let the cup pass from him. He didn't want to go to the cross. It hurt. And he let, the, let that cup pass from him. Lord, he said, and what happened? The angels came and comforted him, gave him the strength that he needed. So there's a lot to be said for prayer. But the prayer was to God. The angels were the messengers. One passage on which they thought, only one passage, excuse me, on which they thought, or their opinions, is 1 Peter 1.12. And there Peter says that they struggled to look into the things that he was revealing, that Peter was talking about. The angels wanted to know, why, God, why would you create man when he's going to rebel against you, when he's going to sin against you, when he's going to deny you, when he's going to kill your son? They didn't understand. They desired to look into that plan. And Peter says, we're revealing it to you now. You know what the angels didn't know. They haven't always existed. We know they were created, but we don't know when. Nehemiah says that they have existed, that God created them along with his creation, but that's all that we know. So when we say, well, where were they? Where did they come from? We can't answer that. We can just say God created them, and that's what we know. They're not made in the image of God. We do know that. Uh, God says, that, or in Hebrews 2.16, he talks about where God didn't show favors to the angels, but he did to us. Interesting thought. Unlike God, they are not omnipresent. This was uh, the one in Daniel. I don't think this wasn't the one, Daniel 18. I haven't got to that one yet, but... Uh, Daniel 10, 12 through 14, 
talked about the angel coming to Daniel and said, I would have been here sooner, but I had some other duties over here to do. That's why I'm not why I'm showing up now when I should maybe should have been here earlier. Well, if he was omnipresent, he would have already been there. He wouldn't have had to say I was over here and I got to come over here. So he wasn't everywhere. Angels are not everywhere, but they're busy doing God's messages, and that's what they did to Daniel. I think it's one more additional fact here. Maybe that we go. Humans should judge angels in paradise. Oh, that shake any? did me. Think about me judging anybody, much less angels, but it says that. 1 Corinthians 6, 3. It says we will judge angels. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that works out. But I believe that God told me what's going to happen. And that Christians, those Christians that die in the faith, are going to be judging angels. There are examples of obedience for us to follow. That's the, that's really, if you want to say, well, what's this got to do with me? You know, what is it? What, as Mike says, you know, what's the, uh, what, how does it occur to me? I mean, it's not exact language, but how does this occur to me? How do I work this in my life? What does it mean? It means God intends for obedience from all of his creation, from whether it's angels, whether it's humans, whether it's animals with the lives that they live, that it's under a pattern and it's done, and God expects it to be that way. And he expects its obedience. And he didn't show, if you remember, any mercy to his angels. They're not to be worshipped. We know that. Colossians 2.18 and Revelation 19.10. Revelation, excuse me, 19.10. God said then, you know, you don't worship angels. He told John that. John was going to fall down and worship him. Colossians is condemned to worship uh, angels. Because God knows that there are some angels that are disobedient. God is true. He's not going to change. He's the same as he was from the very first. That we know of him. And he was even more than that before we knew of him. He's been eternal. So the last, I think, facts on angels here, I believe, is, uh, and I, lo- I love this picture for some reason. I could, uh, it's, it, you, I don't know how clear it is back there, but that up in those clouds is like horses and warriors on those clouds. And uh, I looked at that and I thought, wow, maybe that's what Ezekiel and his servant saw when he told him, he says, you know, open his eyes so he can see what's going on. Because there's, there's spiritual warfare going on. We'll get into that in the next lesson or two. Uh, this this being fought for our souls right now, and we don't even know what's going on, but it's there nonetheless. The numbers are countless. God talks about the angels in, in many, many places, that they are countless, that there's so many of them. They're multi, multi, multis. There are ten thousands of thousands and uh, tens of thousands of thousands. It just goes on and on and on. So we can't really number them or count them. Revelations 5.11 says 10,000 times thousand and thousands of thousands. Now, I'm assuming that's a lot. Just in my poor brain, it says that's a bunch. Ten thousands of holy ones, Deuteronomy 33.2. Their numbers are infinite. The army of angels is mentioned in 2 Kings 6.15 and 17. I alluded to that with Ezekiel where uh, him and his servant were there. And, and they looked in the armies 
uh, their enemy was surrounding them, and the, the servants panicking. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He says, he just prayed to God. He says, open his eyes so he can see what I see. And he saw God's angels surrounding that army. And if you remember, it only took, what, two angels or one angel to, to slay 10,000 in one evening? So can you imagine an army of angels? What damage they could do? When we come to worship, it also talks about the angels. I know we have many, many times when someone was baptized and mentioned the fact that the angels are celebrating in heaven. And this is where it's talked about, Hebrews 12, 22, and 23. That this is where they are, where the angels are assembling kind of with us. They're worshiping with us. We're worshiping God, the same God that they worship. And they join in our worship. Now, you won't see any sitting in a pew, I don't think. If you do, let me know. <laughs> so the key observances, this is kind of our wrap-up for tonight. So, God didn't spare his angels whenever they disobeyed. It's important for us to remember Second Peter 2 and 4. He kicked the angels out for disobedience. If we're disobedient, do you think he'll do any less to us? These were his creation just like we are. The difference is the angels uh, really didn't have a, a choice. We have not only a choice, but we have redemption, and they didn't have it. Powerful, intelligent, spiritual beings were cast out, and the angels within God's presence are required to obey the Lord. He expects it. They're there in heaven with him, and he expects obedience. We're down here. Can you really imagine it being anything else than that for us? We are commanded to be obedient. It's not a, well, maybe, okay, maybe not. It's not. It's definitely there. So think twice. It's the lesson set before us in heavenly places that we can't ignore. We are to be obedient. It follows all the way through. And where we fall... This is where our plan comes in with Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, that's part of that's the lesson one for tonight. Um, I'm already over, so I didn't get to go over your questions. But if you'll bring them back next Wednesday, that'll be the first thing we'll start with. We'll make sure you got the answers, and I'll have another uh, what do what they call these outlines, I guess, huh? uh, for you for that for lesson number two. Now, thank you for your attention, and God bless you all. Have a good week.